turn, if you will, uh, to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to officially conclude our series on being contagious. Everybody go, hallelujah. And it's time to spread the love, I can promise you that. And we learned in Matthew 5, and I want you to see it one more time, Jesus was defining who we are and, and, and what our role is as disciples. You know, disciples are disciplined followers of Christ. And once he got past our attitude, everybody say, be happy. Everybody say, don't worry. Well, that wasn't even on tune. Try it. Don't worry. Be happy. How many of you are too young to even remember that? Probably all of you. Okay. Uh, because he said, blessed are, be happy. Once he got past that, he said, let me tell you who you are. Not who you're supposed to be, not who you, we hope you'll be, but your identity as believers, as followers of Christ, as Christ followers. You are what? You are salt and you are light. That's who we are. And really, he's defining our identity as contagious Christians, people who are influential in the world. This is our new identity. We are to be contagious. Everyone say, be contagious. And so this next week, we've got to be more contagious than ever before. We've got to uh, be busy about the Father's business. And so for the last eight weeks, we've been talking about the principle and the reality of being salt and light. And I've shared with you a lot of different things. And one of the things I want you to just be reminded of one more time, the first thing Jesus did after he began to identify our kind of the DNA of our life as salt and light, he, he warned us. Uh, about the, the negative effects of things that would make us ineffective. He said, hey, if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. Everybody say, good for nothing. And so, so he warned us quickly of, of his great concern for the church to be, of becoming ineffective. And sadly to say, we have not followed through uh, with a lot of the responsibility of who we are as salt and light because in many circles, in many ways, God's people are becoming less effective with the, with the contagious nature of what it means to be salt and light. So we're trying to turn that around. Everybody say, we've got to turn that around. Tell you neighbor, we got to turn that around. We got to fix that. I'm telling you. And so for the last eight weeks, I've been going through different messages to really, in some ways, saying the same thing in a hundred different ways, or at least eight different ways. But today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put it all together. Everybody, look at the pastor and just point me, just like like you just you point right at me. I want everybody to point at me and say, "Put it together, pastor." And then look at your neighbor and say, "He's going to put it together for us this morning." I'm going to bring it all together uh, in a more mundane way. We're going through some review. Okay, but let's say put it together. Everybody say get it together. Here we go. I'm going to go through you quickly uh, uh, the, the last eight Sundays. I'm not going to re- Well, I might hit a little preach every once in a while. I'm not going to re-preach it. But I want you to see all that we've said and all that we've done in the last eight weeks. I want you to kind of catch the overall feel of what it means to be a contagious Christian. And so we're going to do that. Uh, and then we're go I'm going to share with you three things you need to do every day for the next seven days, okay? So you get ready. I'm going to give you three things at the end that you need to do every day in the next seven days as we get ready for friend day. So that's where we're going. And at the conclusion of that, we're going to do two other things. As we dismiss today, 
you're going to have the opportunity to go by the communion table and take communion uh, with you and your family. I want to encourage you to do that. I want somebody to remind me to remind you about that, and the ushers will have it out there for you. You just go by and say, thank you, Jesus, for, for your uh, broken body and your shed blood for me. Uh, I just thank you for the cross, and you just take communion uh, when you leave. And also, when we leave today, I want all the ushers to listen up. We're going to take up our a final special offering for Friend Day. I think our budget was twenty five hundred dollars for all our guests coming in and their 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 uh, all the things that it takes to take care of them, as well as publications and printing. I think we're a little over five hundred dollars uh, in that project, so we need to raise about a, th- a couple thousand bucks. So that way, we don't have to worry about the budget for friend day on friend day how many think it'd be kind of odd if all of our friends were here and we were taking up an offering to pay for friend day how many think that would not be cool i just think no no boy no bueno senor see i told you i'm still a little little fresh off the field uh and so, so let's do that today. And I want you to help me. Uh, let's get that taken care of and so we can move forward. And so that's where we're going. So here we go. I've got about 30 minutes to accomplish all that. I think I can do it if you'll follow along. If you won't, if you won't bail on me. How many of you won't bail on me? Look at, your, look at me and say, I ain't bailing on you, preacher. I know you come a long way. Listen, I, I didn't get home till 8 o'clock last night after a long week. I'm telling you, a long week for an old man like me. Uh, and so, uh, so don't bail on me. I'll, I'll do my best for you. Here we go. Let's put it all together. Everybody say, put it together, Pastor. Here's where we began. We talked about what it means to be a truly contagious Christian. And we realize if you're going to be contagious, I gave you four things. Number one, you got to be infected. If you're not infected, you cannot spread the contagion of Christianity. Here's the sad thing. Most people or many people are not really uh, uh, in, have the infection of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. I use that word in a positive sense. They've only been inoculated with the gospel. You remember when you used to get your inoculation? They, ka-chow. When I was a kid, it was a big thing with about a lot of little prongs on there. I don't know if that was small pox or what, but it scared the wajibis out of me. At school, there's, it's, 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 uh, everybody gets shots, and man, as I clack, I mean, ah. uh, and so, and what they would do was give you just enough of the disease to keep you from getting the real thing, so you'd become what? Immune. Sadly, a lot of people are not infected, they're just inoculated. Everybody say, you got to be infected. You gotta be infected with the gospel. Number two, you've gotta be informed if you're gonna be a contagious Christian. Uh, the gospel cannot be made known through you if it hasn't been made known to you. And sadly here today, if I were to, if you had to take a test, I'm just gonna be honest. If I gave you a test, a written test that you couldn't cheat on, and I said to you, okay, before you leave, I want you to write down on a piece of paper, what is the gospel? The good news. Sadly, some of you would not know what to put on the paper. I'll give you a hint. Jesus came to planet Earth to pay for my sin on Calvary's cross. He died a death I couldn't die. He paid for my sin with his own blood. They hung him on a cross and he died for my sin. He took my place. He went into the tomb three days. Third day, he rose again so I could have new life. He paid for my sin so I wouldn't have to go to hell. That's basically the gospel. And then what did he do on the third day? He... Something. He rose from the dead. Up from the grave he uh, rose. That's the gospel. 
We've got to know the gospel. We've got, we've got to be infected. We've got to be informed. We've got to be influenced. Listen, we need people to influence our life. You need to be around contagious people. Some of you have been hanging around the turkeys and trying to soar with the eagles. It don't work. I took a picture of a turkey to, uh, while I was in Mexico, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, that's the way a lot of people are. They're, they're not soaring with the eagles. They're hanging around the turkeys. we got to put ourselves in a place of, where people can influence our life. And that's why we brought Scott Camp back in December. We wanted a taste of what it meant to, to hear somebody preach the gospel and stir us up towards the harvest field. And then number four, if you're going to be contagious, we learned early on you've got to be inflamed. Jesus said you got to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, you receive power. Somebody say power. Power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Cool thing happened there on Pentecost Sunday when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. There were forked tongues of fire set on all their heads. They were inflamed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want to tell you, a lot of you have been, you've been hunting for something to get the monkey off your back. Hey, let me just tell you, what you really need is to get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you won't even like the monkey on your back. You'll get him off your back, and you'll get busy about being a contagious Christian. Couldn't get a better amen. That was, all, that was a whole Sunday's message in about three minutes, four minutes. And then we learn about this important truth about being contagious. We said this, we said this, the spread of the gospel cannot merely be from casual contact. It has to be intentional. Everybody say intentional. We just live our life and maybe by accident, almost without really us realizing, we might rub off on somebody. Listen, if we're going to infect the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has to be intentional. We, lo- we learned from Luke 14, the parable of the Great Supper. Jesus said, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Bring the lame, the halt, the blind. You get them here. That's intentional. And when Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, we learned in Luke, uh, pardon me, John 4, he was very intentional and he ministered to her. He was intentional with his commitment to, to, to minister to Samaria because it said, he t- the scripture says, he must needs go through Samaria. He was committed to touch that city. Number two, he was, he was intentional with his connection with this woman at the well. Man, he, he was a nosy pepper. He got jalapeno business with her and he began to ask her questions that he knew the answer to. He was getting into the middle of her world. He got in her boat and he made a connection with her. She was shocked because he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan, but he intentionally got into her world and touched her life. And she went back to Samaria and she immediately began to be contagious with the city they came out to see. She said, come see a man who showed me everything I ever did. They came out and Jesus communicated the gospel with them and the whole city of Samaria was impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is intentional. And what I'm saying to you is, if you just think it's going to happen by casual contact, just because you smile at church or you smile at work and you don't cuss or chew or go with the girls that do, you may or may not make a difference in the world. But if you'll wake up in the morning and say, in the morning, bless God, I am salt and I am light and I'm going to let the whole world know that Jesus Christ is alive and well, I will not be denied. I'm going to be intentional. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to be intentional with this. And then number three, we learned uh, some things about contagious Christianity. If we're going to be contagious, we must become fully convinced. Everyone say convinced. 
Interesting to me in John 1, when Andrew, he had met the Messiah. Andrew was Simon, who became Peter's brother. And he went and he found Peter, his brother, and he brought him to Jesus. And he said this, we have found the Messiah. He was convinced. I'm, I'm persuaded that a lot of Christians who do nothing in the world are not really convinced that Jesus Christ really is the Lord of the earth. Because if they were convinced that he was the only way to heaven, we'd be more contagious. How many of you believe me? We've got to be fully convinced. We also learn we've got to be fully uh, compelled. The Bible says the love of God compels me. I'm telling you, when I go to Mexico, the love of God swells up in me. I just go, oh my, these children, you know, that, you know they're going to go to hell if somebody doesn't give them Jesus. And, and I just see that. And we've got to become compelled by the love of God to share Christ. We've got to realize people are going to hell. While we're sitting here in the comfort of this house, come on now, we got to be fully convinced, fully compelled. And number three, I shared with you, we got to be fully consumed. Jesus said, the zeal of the Lord has eaten me up. I'm telling you, when you get consumed by something, a lot of people are consumed. Where's my phone? Beverly, show me. Raise it up. We're consumed with that. Man, I could not wait to get back on the internet when I got home. <sighs> in fact, I paid $7 to have Wi-Fi in the air. I just need, I'm cons- a little consumed by that. I got to get, we get consumed by so many things how about we get consumed with the fire of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ amen and then we learned this this past few weeks on Super Bowl Sunday we learned this about God's global game plan how many of you know God has a game plan for the earth look at your neighbor so you got to get in the game if you're going to make a difference in the game, you got to get in the game. I gave you four or five things. I said, if you want to do, hey, if you want to be a part of God's global game plan, you got to be enrolled on the team. You got to be on the team. You got to get in the game. You got to be on the team. You got to put yourself into the game and say, I am going to be a part of this thing. And let me just tell you something. Global impact is a team effort. You can't be, there really, hey, evangelism and outreach is not a solo sport. It's a team effort. And so you got to enroll on the team. You got to be engaged with the team. Some people are, think they're solo saints and they don't really need to be uh, involved and engaged with the team and working with the team. Listen, uh, you, one can chase a thousand to ten thousand. You can do what I can't do. I can do what you can't do. But together, Mother Teresa said, we can do great things for God. So if you're going to be a part of God's global game plan, you've got to be enrolled in the team, engaged with the team, and then equipped for the task that the team has. There's a task. You know why a lot of people don't witness for Christ? They don't know how. They don't know the Bible. They've not been equipped. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that responsibility of the leaders in the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he wasn't talking just about working in the nursery. He was talking about making a difference in the world. Amen. And so if you're going to be a part of God's global game plan, you've got to be equipped. And then as we've said, and this is about nearly every message, you've got to be empowered for the task. You need the Holy Spirit to come upon you mightily. I said mightily. How many of you want to just play like a, you may not feel Pentecostal, but you may want to play like one. And you know, if you fake it, you might make it. You never know. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to be empowered. Tell them like that. Empower. God, he'd be Pentecostal. He need the power. Hey, listen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our life on a daily basis. Amen. Everybody say empowered for the task. Whew, for you visitors today, I don't normally talk this fast. 
I've been, uh, I've been in Mexico trying to speak Spanish. I'm enjoying English again. Hallelujah. And then the final thing, if you're going to be a part of God's global game plan, you've got to be evangelistic in the world. You see, the, the, the Great Commission is an evangelistic reaching out to others commission. We've got to be evangelistic in our world. Interesting to me in Ephesians 4, it says the evangelist's job is really to equip the saints to be evangelistic. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. He was not an evangelist, but he said, do the work of an evangelist. We must be evangelistic in our world. That was God's global game plan on Super Bowl Sunday. And then we slowed it down a bit the next week, and we talked about inroads to the heart of people. How many of you know everybody has an inroad in their heart? I believe everybody has a way. There's a key to every person's heart. And I gave you three inroads that I believe every human being has at least one or two or three of these operating in their life. They're across the board. No matter where you go, these are inroads to the human heart. And many of you came to Christ because of these inroads. The first one is hope. You see, there's no hope without Jesus. And the whole world needs hope. I'm telling you, we gave some kids hope. When we put water wells in their little villages, we give them hope. We bring them the gospel, they they get hope. Some of them just got a, you know, some of the ones that weren't signed up, it was kind of sad. I knew it was going to happen. Some of them didn't sign up. They wanted clothes, and we didn't have a lot left, and we gave away little things. And you could just see their eyes light up, just little things. They're, they're desperate for anything. They need hope. The whole world needs hope. And the Bible says Jesus brings hope like an anchor of the soul. Listen, how many of you know some hopeless people in your life, in your world? Come on now, be honest. You talk to them, they just talk hopeless. You know, why do people commit suicide? They're hopeless. They have no hope in their life. They have no vision for their future. It's an inroad to their heart because Jesus brings us hope like an anchor of the soul. Another one was this, another inroad to people's heart that we need to understand and take advantage of. There's a hunger on the inside of every person that needs to be satisfied. And I believe there's a a God-shaped void in the heart of every human being that only God can feel. And they're hungry and they're thirsty for something that cannot satisfy. They try this, they try that, and they just can't be satisfied. And who's the old rock star? He says, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I can't, Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. You know why? He hadn't found Jesus yet. But he exposed the nature of man. We're all hungry. And so that's an inroad to their heart. And then the third one that I gave you was healing. Let me just tell you, everybody needs healing in their life. Because without Jesus, you're not complete. You need healing. The whole world has hurts in their life. In fact, uh, everybody has a hurt pocket somewhere. Anybody got a hurt pocket? Come on, let's be honest now. You know, and we try to empty it out, but boy, something you put those things in your pocket, and they and and when the certain things come, man, you pull it out of your pocket. Boy, I'm hurt right there. The whole world is hurting. The whole world needs healing, and without Jesus, they'll never be healed. I told you about two kinds of sickness: a soul sickness, their mind, their will, their emotions. They're sick. They need a healing. Only Jesus can touch them and heal them. How many of you have tried to find healing and wholeness in things and, and you know, people and, and other things? Man, if I just th- get this, I'll have peace of mind. If I could just get a, a, you know, if I could just get another raise and get this financial pressure off my back, if I could do this or that, I'd feel better. And you get this or that and you don't feel any better. 
Because only Jesus can bring you peace and healing in your heart. And then, of course, just sin sickness. Man, the whole world is sick with sin. Sin is a sickness. It's a contagion that has invaded the society of every human being. The Bible says we were born in sin, and in sin did our mother conceive us. We're all sinners saved if we're saved by the grace of God. It says the whole world is sin. They're full of sin. And Jesus came to deal with the sin sickness. The tragic scenario of sin undealt with and the sickness of sin. It says the wages of sin is what? Death. But the other side of the coin, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got to walk through those inroads into people's life and begin to touch the areas of their life where they need a healing, where they need, where they're hungering, where they're thirsting, and where they need hope. And then we talked about just some characteristics of a contagious Christian. Let me just show them to you quickly. Number one, contagious Christians are many times unassuming. We have a perspective of a contagious Christian. Brings, he, he walks into work with his uh, uh, coffee table uh, King James Bible, you know, and he has stickers all over his car, and he really kind of whacked and just a little overboard and a little too much this or too much that. And with the, hey, listen. Did you know Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah, prophetic insight about Jesus, it says this, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Jesus came into this world very unassuming. And so all of us need to realize, hey, you, you, you may think you don't fit the bill. Hey, he chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Most contagious Christians, they're unassuming. They make a huge difference in the world. And people go, man, I just, you know, because they just believe God wants to use them. Contagious Christians are many times, or most of the time, or really all the time, hey, they've learned that you're just going to, I've got to be unafraid. I can't be fearful and be contagious. They've learned not to let the intimidation of this world get a hold to them. The first thing the church experienced when they became truly contagious in Acts chapter 2 and 3 was an intimidation from the devil. And they said, to, hey, you, you can do whatever you want, but we just can't stop talking about Jesus. Are you with me? Contagious Christians are unassuming. They're unafraid. And then we learned that they're unbiased, meaning they show no partiality. Everybody say red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Who he does. He loves us all. How many of you appreciate the fact that Jesus and, and, and somebody, you know, there's some people had a reason to be biased about you and me, right? I mean, but hey, Jesus and contagious Christianity is unbiased. We don't care what color you are. We don't care what side of the tracks you're from. We don't care what you're made of or where your mama came from or your educational background. They're all precious in his sight. And contagious Christians love everybody. And then we learned this, that contagious Christianity and contagious Christians, they're undeniable. You can't miss them. Not because of their big Bible, but because of their heart and their life. In fact, it says about Peter and John, when they were called in on the carpet after Pentecost and people were getting healed and massive amounts of numbers were turning to Christ, they threatened them and they said they brought them in and they said they recognized the religious uh, detractors and antagonists recognized that they had been with Jesus. Listen, 
We had a lady in our, you met her last Sunday if you were here. The Rayleighs, they sit right, they go to uh, tr- uh, New Life Church on the Rock and invite her. The Ray, Ricky and Vicky, Vicky, Christy Rayleigh. Uh, Christy, been, she prayed for her, her husband for 20 plus years before he got born again. Uh, she didn't quit. Uh, and they call her Smiley. She smiles all the time. And I'm telling you, she's one of the most contagious persons I've been around. I was around her all week long. She smiles all the time. She loves Jesus. And it is undeniable. Amen. You don't have to wonder where she stands. And, and even though you may, you think, oh man, she is, she's pretty serious about her walk with God. You just go, man, Jesus is all over that lady. Amen. It's undeniable. And then finally we learn that it's unstoppable. You can't stop us. When you get contagious, you can't be stopped. It's just like trying to stop a freight train. You can't stop a freight train once it gets going. And I'm telling you, contagious Christianity will just keep growing and going. You, stu- you study the church and you'll realize that, hey, against all odds, you know they tried to kill us. You know they tried to wipe us out. You do realize that. They threw us to the lions. And it didn't work, did it? Everybody go, nah, 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 nah. We're unstoppable. Amen. And then a couple of weeks ago, and I'm getting close to the end, hang on. We talked about six big, ugly, internal enemies of contagious Christianity. Everybody go, six big, ugly, internal enemies. Here we go, six big, ugly, internal enemies of contagious Christianity. Here they are. This is what we talked about. Number one is complacent Christianity. We looked at the lukewarm church in Revelation. I think it's Laodicea. He didn't have one good thing to say about them. He said, you're not hot, you're not cold. Both of those were good descriptions. He said, you're lukewarm because you're lukewarm. Uh, You're going to make me vomit. Complacent Christianity is running rampant in the world. Then number two, we looked at compromised Christianity. People compromise their faith for for a, a, as as one Bible character did, for a bowl of porridge. We let the devil buy us off. We, we, you know, we, 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 we yield and we compromise our walk with Christ for a momentary uh, 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 moment of personal pleasure. And we compromise our life and our future because we don't know how to say no to sin. We compromise our life. And so it's, it's killing the, the contagious nature of Christianity because people look at us. Man, if he's living that way, he calls himself a Christian. Uh, then I, man, I don't know if I have anything to do with it. And then the third one was compartmental Christianity. Here's what I see a lot of people. This is pretty popular today. Here's my Christian life. Here's my Friday night life. Here's my work life. Here's my entertainment life. Here's this life and that life. And here's my home life, which most of the time does not line up with my Christian life. But on Sunday, we whip out our Christian compartmental life and we put on our Jesus hat and we go to church and we play like a Christian and we compartmentalize our life. Listen, Jesus doesn't want part of your life. In fact, he said, I'll have no other gods before me. He wants it all or none at all. Could I get a better, amen? That's the truth. Look at your neighbors. That's the truth, whether you like it or not. He's preaching good. Tell them. It's compartmental Christianity. It's really, it, it, it's really 
Oh, well, I've got to go. And then the third one is contrived Christianity. That's a conflict of terms. People who, who say they're saved, say they're born again, but they're really not. They just made up some kind of story because they walked an aisle, but they've never had a life-changing experience with the Lord of glory. They, 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 they've filled out a card, but they're not living for Jesus. They've never been born again. And Billy Graham said years ago, I fear that, that the large majority of people in, char- not charismatic, but evangelical churches in America are going to split hell wide open one day. They've not really been born again. Listen, if you're here today and you've not had a, hey, let me just say, when you get born again, you know it. It's a change in your life. We contrive these things. We call ourselves Christian. We need to be born again. Like one preacher friend of mine from years ago, C.L. Jackson from Pleasant Grove Missionary Baptist and church in Houston, Texas said when somebody asked him about homosexuality he said homosexuals say they were born that way he said well I I said well that's okay you just got to be born again and I don't care if you're homosexual I don't care where you come hey whatever your deal is you got to be born again hey there's one thing you can't fake when you get to heaven is your Christian ID sticker it cannot be faked. If, if, hey, he said, the Bible says he'll tell a lot of people who say a lot of things, but he said, I, depart from me, I never knew you. It's a contrived Christianity. That's a conflict of terms. And then there was two more. Whew, and we're about done. Everybody go, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Uh, then there was a convalescent Christianity. Now, let me explain that. You know, when you're convalescent, you're, you're recovering some, from something, right? Here's, there's professional recovering addicts. They never get over it. They find healing, but they never get healed. And you say, well, why is that? Let me just explain something to you. Jesus came to heal us. That's one of the first messages. He picked up the, the, the scroll. Read it in Luke 4, I believe. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel, to bring healing to those who are sick and infirmed. And, met. and he said, that's why I came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and people get healed. That's why I came. And we got people packed in churches who can't get healed. Here's my, here's, pardon me, but I have some news. I know why you're not being healed. You want to know? Yeah, okay. If you're not getting healed and you're becoming a convalescent Christian, you never get over it. You want to, but you don't have, there's either something you're doing that you shouldn't be doing or something you're not doing that you should be doing. Because what you're doing is not working. La di da da, la di da. Am I right? And so if you want to get healed, you need to look at your life and say, what am I doing that's keeping this from happening because Jesus came to heal me? And if you work through that a little bit, then you say, what am I not doing? Well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Try something new for goodness sakes. Take a different medication. Amen. Actually start walking through some of this that I talk about every once in a while. Are you with me? See, I get a little cranky sometimes. And that brings me to the last one. It's cranky Christianity. You ever met one of those persons? They think it's their gift to irritate the whole world. And you're still supposed to want to come eat with them at lunch. How are you doing today? They got an offense. They got a burr under their saddle. They got corn cob syndrome. 
What are y'all laughing about? They come to church and say, I got the joy, joy, joy in my home. Again, I'm getting older. That's when the pastoral side of me wants to move away and the spirit of slap come on me. But then the pastoral side comes back and says, no, I'll just pray for them. Cranky people. They'll never be, you want to talk about one of the most uncontagious things is a mean Christian. That's a, that's a, is that called an oxymoron for you smarter people? That doesn't make any sense. Because when Jesus comes on the inside of you, I've got Pentecostal now. He, hey, when he gets on the inside of you, he gives you peace and joy and happiness and healing and wholeness. Woo! I'm not going to hell anymore. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> you can tell that's a big point of mine I wanted to make. And then finally, last week, just quickly, and we're going to give, I'm going to give you three things. We're going to take communion, take them an offering, and go home. Contagious Christians and cho- the, the choices they live by. This is last week. Listen, contagious Christians make choices and then they live by them. They don't back up. Here they are. They choose to follow Jesus. They choose to fish for men. That's the choice. They choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not walk in the flesh, but in the Spirit. They choose to fellowship with the saints, even though when it's not popular, even when you don't feel like it. Man, do I have to go to church? You heard that story. The boy asked his mom, do I have to go to church? You ever heard that? Why do we have to go to church? Well, the mom said, well, son, I'll give you two good reasons. One, it's the Christian thing to do. Christians are supposed to go to church. Number two, you're the pastor. I know if I felt that way, you probably felt that way, but we have to do what? We have to, we have to make choices. And they, hey, contagious Christians, they choose to fellowship with the saints. Number uh, four or five, they choose to face their fears. They just stand up in the face of it and say, I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to move right through. They choose to fight the good fight of faith. They keep fighting. They realize there's an enemy out there trying to keep them from being who they are as salt and light. And they stand up every morning and they fight against principalities and powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness. They don't let the devil have his way in their life. They don't let the devil run run roughshod over their family. They get up in the morning and they go, I am not letting the devil take my family, take my friends, take my future. I'm going to be what God said for me to be. I will stand full of the Holy Ghost. I'll put on the whole armor of God. I'll wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly places I put on the belt of truth the helmet of salvation the shield of faith I take the sword of the spirit and, and, and I gird my loins about with truth I put on the shoes of peace and I'm going to walk out into this world and I'm going to preach the gospel and I will be victorious because of who lives on the inside of me they fight the good fight of faith they choose and then they choose to fulfill the Great Commission, they're going to do their part. They realize I've got a place and a responsibility to fulfill. There's a world God has given me. And I'm going to do my part and fulfill the Great Commission. Now stay with me. 
Three things that we each of us have to do every day, these next seven days and really for the rest of our days. The first one is this, we got to get powered up. We got to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. When the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And let me just say, when, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know it. There will be evidence. And the primary evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is not just the gifts of the Spirit, but the power to stand up and be contagious for Christ. Everybody say, get powered up. So in the morning, tonight, all week long, and really for the rest of your, all, your days, say, full of the Holy Spirit, get powered up. Tell your neighbor, we've got to get powered up. It'll deal with all the fears and apprehensions. You've got to get powered up. Number two, as the first century, and uh, you know, it says there in Acts 1-8, they, got, they went and they said, we're going to obey. Acts 2 said the Holy Spirit came upon them. And as soon as the Holy Spirit came upon them, they instantly, listen, instantly, became contagious. They didn't have to go to Sunday school for a week. They didn't have to take a contagious Christianity seminar. They just instantaneously became contagious. How many of you know that ought to help us? Get powered up. Some of you need to spend a large portion of this evening wondering and thinking and pondering if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And just say, oh God, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be empowered. Acts 2, it came upon them. Suddenly, it says, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Little flames of fire set on their head. And they instantaneously began to invade their world. And in a few moments after Peter preached, 3,000 plus people were born again. Because they got powered up. Everybody say powered up. Number two, prayed up. Everybody say prayed up. Man, some of you, you, if you added all your prayers up last week, you ain't close to being prayed up. Some of you, the the majority of your prayer life is say, oh, help me, Jesus. You know, and you feel like you really broke into the heavenlies. (laughs) Am I cranky or what? Hey, we got souls going to hell. Come on now. I came to shake you up a little bit. We got to get powered up. We got to get prayed up. We got to in the morning, hey, all week, next week, hey, don't, hey, get prayed up. They got prayed up in Acts 14. It says they were all together in one place praying and seeking God and worshiping God and getting in the flow. They got prayed up. And listen, we've got to get prayed up. Listen, when you get prayed up, you'll know it. You'll know when there's, somebody said, well, you got to pray it till you get the breakthrough. Listen. You'll know when you get the breakthrough. Have you ever been pent up in somewhere and you got loose? You know when you got loose, right? You know when you broke through something. Hey, we got to get prayed up and break through into the spirit and begin to get the power of the God moving in us. And that'll do number three. That'll get us pumped up. Everybody say, get you pumped up. Peter got so pumped up. That when the Holy Spirit came upon him because they'd got prayed up, he and all his compadres in Acts 2.14, they all stood up together and he was so motivated. You see, when you get motivated, you get pumped up. Where's Ryan? He's somewhere. He ran a marathon. Where's, where's the marathon man? There's the marathon man. He ran his first marathon. He did that to me. In other words, get off of me. Uh, but uh, hey, I bet you it was a little cold the other day, was it not? I bet you ever, how many people ran the marathon? 
1,500 people. I, I wasn't there, but you just helped me. I, we, this is not planned. No one's spoken to you before the service, right? We've not talked. Okay, all right. I'll get, I guarantee you, when, when they were about to start, there wasn't 1,500 people sitting on the curb checking Facebook. They were going, did you do any of that, Ryan? Oh, yeah, he's got pumping up. I got pumped up, man. Listen, you need to look yourself in the mirror on Monday morning after you got powered up and prayed up, and you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, you are a mighty man of God. You're going, to be, you're going to do great things for God today. You're going to run your race with power and authority. People's lives are going to be changed because of you. hear me, boy? I know you're going to do great things. We're going to go change the world for God. We're getting pumped up, man. Sadly, a lot of people, your days are like this. You do this TGIF. Like, whoa, it's been terrible on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, but TGIF. Don't ever say that again. What you're saying is, TGIF, I'm just pathetic all the rest of the week. TGIF. Now I don't have to go out and hang around with all these ungodly heathen. TGIF. Man, somebody got the spirit of giggle over there. You better calm down. It's spreading. It'll spread. Hey, I'm serious now. Some of you in the morning, you get up and you get your coffee. Oh, Lord. You know, like, like it's the end of the age. Oh, I just. Man, we're in Mexico. I, I couldn't. I'd wake up early. Man, I just. Gosh, there's a well to drill. Oh, there's children to take care of. Ooh, there's pumps to repair. I got up this morning, oh my goodness, there's church people going to come out in the rain and risk their life and limb and they're, they're going to come to church. I, I got to do something to help pump them up. <laughs> for the next seven days and then for the rest of your days, these three things in your life will turn you into a contagious Christian. Beyond everything I said, you get up every morning, you get powered up. I'm powered up full of the Holy Ghost. Some of you leak out faster than you can get out. Come to Jesus. Oh, God, a great church. You can't. By the time you get to the car, you're cussing about where you're going to eat. I've done that a few times. But I don't cuss out loud. It's just inside, see, so nobody knows. I'm... <laughs> And then I say, well, bless your heart. You know, you can say about anything you want to about somebody as long as you end it with bless your heart. Did you see the buck teeth on that boy? Bless his heart. She's telling me to move on now. Listen, you leak. You got to get powered up every day. And prayed up. What a thought. Get prayed up for I leave out into a world that needs Christ. Look at yourself in the mirror. 
And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Listen. They came back home from Ziklag. The whole place had been robbed, pillaged, and burned. The kids and family had been stolen away. And his own dear mighty men thought of stoning him. He went into the prayer closet and put on the prayer cloth. The Bible says he began to encourage himself in the Lord his God. The Spirit of God spoke to him and said, Pursue, you shall doubtless recover it all. He got up and he raced and he found and he recovered it. People joined him and they recovered it all. Listen, there's people that need to be saved. And if we let the momentary hiccups of this life keep us from motivating ourselves every day to the lost world, they'll die and go to hell without us. So today as we close this service, we're going to do two things. We're going to give to our effort next week. I want to encourage you to give a generous gift as you go out the doors. Ushers, be sure you have, have uh, 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 some bags there, whatever we have. And then I want to encourage everybody to go by the communion table and just stop and just pick up the, the elements and thank God for his broken body and thank God for his shed blood. And just spend a little time with Jesus, then you can go out and get pumped up. So we're going to do that, but I'm going to pray for you today. These next seven days, I want to tell you, every day I'm going to be praying for you that God will give you divine opportunities. That you would walk through these doors that we talked about. That you would refuse fear and make a big difference this week. This week. Let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. Father, today... We thank you for the word of God in our life. And I thank you, Lord, even though I went through all these messages for the last eight weeks in a hurry, I thank you that it kind of brought us to a point where we could really live a life that is committed to the great commission and fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. And Lord, we pray together. We don't normally do this, and this may be a little uncomfortable for you, but I'm going to ask us to take somebody by the hand if that just throws you for a loop, that's okay. Just don't do it. But I just feel a need to just connect with each other today. Lord, as we take hands together as a sign of our faith and our commitment to you and to one another, we pray, oh God, that now this week, Lord, all the things we, all the prayers we've prayed for these that are here on this cross, and Lord, all the invitations that we've sent and all the conversations we had, now, Lord God, we had, we would seal the deal this week, not only with our prayers, but with our, with our words of encouragement and our sincere effort to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. And Lord, we, we stand in agreement for next week. We pray, Lord, when our friend Scott Camp, and Lord, I have grown to love this man by just being around him and talking to him a little bit. And Lord, I feel like he's our friend. And I thank you that you're going to bless him and Bruce next week when they come. And Lord, their ministry is going to invade our world and invade our friends and invade our community, invade our children. Lord, invade our lives. Lord, we're going to see a move of God next Sunday that will not only just be for next Sunday, but for will take us and, and carry us, Lord, on into this year with a momentum of the Spirit and people continuing to be saved, healed, and delivered. Use, my friend. Now, whoever's hand you're holding, just say, use them this week, Lord. Use them this week, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.